You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from White Rock United Methodist Church located in Dallas, Texas. For more information about who we are, you can find us on the web at wrumc.org. This is the last Sunday in our worship series, Redefining Discipleship. And I want to just remind you all, if you have not yet picked up the discipleship material, I really encourage you to do so. Um, We both have kind of an overview of what that discipleship plan looks like here. We also have a fall programming guide that's a little more specific, that's geared toward the events and kind of the work we're about this fall. Um, We started with how we live in community, and then we talked about discipleship and the ways that worship Jesus each and every day. Uh, Then last week we focused on how we are called to serve others. Today we end with um, how we are called to study. And really at the heart of that is, and I'll talk a little bit about this in my sermon later, um, really at the heart of that is how do we develop good theology? The truth is, regardless if you believe this about yourself or not, you are a theologian. You have a way of thinking about God. You make pretty substantial claims about God each and every day. So how do we take that task seriously? And so we're focused on that this morning. Um, And I invite you then uh, to hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew. I'll be in the 7th chapter reading verses 7 through 11. And I invite you to stand for the reading. So this text comes towards the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's gathered with his disciples and followers, and he says this about prayer. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. The one who calls us to take our faith seriously, day in and day out. May we respond. Amen. So, like many of you, I imagine my focus this week had been has been kind of a bit fragmented between my normal responsibilities of work and family and kind of all that comes along with that. And my focus had shifted just a bit um, over the past couple couple of weeks of the Botham Jean murder trial. It's been in the news for a while. Uh, We as a people here in Dallas are probably exposed to it more than most. And really over these past two weeks, both the news and my extra brain space, whatever is really left, right, um, has been really fixated on this case. And as we waited on Monday morning for the verdict, 
I really couldn't stop thinking about how far away we are from the kingdom or the reign of God. I became kind of captivated by the struggle, I think the struggle that we all face, that our, that our world seems to be grinding too slowly towards justice. And I'll admit that while I, find, I found Amber Geiger's story uh, credible enough, I also believe that the jury uh, made the right decision. And so there is tension that exists, I think, in this case that we're all aware of. And then we got the profound testimony of Botham's brother, uh, Brant, during the sentencing phase. And I think we all saw uh, that hug between Botham's brother and Amber in the courtroom. It was, no doubt, a powerful example of forgiveness. His hug with Amber, a poignant example of forgiveness that is deeply rooted in his faith. And yet, I still felt unsettled. Because as much as we look to his forgiveness as a sign that God is clearly at work in the world, his forgiveness cannot absolve our nation from the systemic racism that exists in the criminal justice system. And so there is a tension that exists, I think, if we're really honest with ourselves. It's really difficult for me to kind of work through this week, right? We see the beautiful faith in Jesus leading to forgiveness in very serious ways and a system that continues to treat white and black citizens differently in our nation. But here's the truth. The truth was I was going to leave all this unsaid until news broke yesterday, early evening, that the key witness in Botham's um, case, Botham's neighbor, was gunned down over the weekend. The key witness in the case, Joshua Brown, had the courage uh, to take the stand, and he lived in fear of being a victim of gun violence himself. And on Friday night, he lost his life. And I don't know what to do with that. These past few months with El Paso and Odessa, the violence in our cities and around the world, it just seems so overwhelming. And I'll be honest with you, this text that I read this morning, paired up against the reality of our world, can seem rather hollow. And if I'm honest with you all, the question I've asked myself over the course of these past hours, really all week long, and especially yesterday, isn't how we pray more effectively. The real question I've been asking of myself is, why do we even pray at all? And I know that the majority of us face similar overwhelming obstacles in our life. Life can seem unbearable, God can feel so far away, and our prayers can feel so weak in a world consumed by violence. Our prayers for healing, our own prayers for our own healing, or the healings of those that we love, our prayers for reconciliation, our prayers for peace, for our families, for our friends, for our community, are honest. They are real, and at times they are very, very desperate And yet, it feels as if our prayers can raise more questions than provide the answers that we are seeking. 
They raise the notoriously difficult questions, the almost impossible questions. Like, does God even answer prayer? And if the answer to that question is yes, then why are some of our prayers left unanswered? And if God doesn't answer all of my prayers, is that because I lack faith? Is that because I prayed wrong? It's these questions and the continued brokenness in our world that makes this morning's text, I think, really, really challenging for us as a community of faith. And while it is easy, I believe, to sidestep the issues of theodicy and evil and suffering by chalking it up to, to a God who answers all prayer, just sometimes the answer is no, right? I think that we can be we can't agree that that just seems way too simple to satisfy us who are called to take our faith seriously. And so for the past few months I've wondered what are we to make of our prayer life in a world where so many of our prayers seem to go unanswered. Jesus clearly states that we just need to keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, right? The text falls in the larger Sermon on the Mount. And and I can't help but think that Jesus is delivering this sermon to both faithful folks and skeptics alike who have gathered to sit at Jesus' feet. And Jesus' words seem fairly instructive. Just pray with the right velocity, the right desperation, the right expectation, and God will answer your prayers. But we know it doesn't work like that. God isn't a slot machine ready to pay out as long as we keep shoveling coins into the machine. And as I've struggled with how to frame today's sermon, I came to a point of realization yesterday afternoon. I realized how passive I tend to make my own prayer life, and it began to click. When I, when I think of prayer, I see a rather passive activity. And I'm not saying in the sense that I don't take it seriously, because I believe, for what, I believe in what I'm praying for. I care deeply about the prayers that I send to God. They mean something. They often come from the deepest parts of my soul. But often my prayers look passive because it's a situation where I say something to God and wait around until God answers or does not answer my prayer. So in light of today's text and the brokenness of our world, what if we were able to redefine just for a moment what prayer looks like? What if our prayers are part of a more active and full relationship with God? Prayer then is less like putting a message in a bottle and kind of setting it adrift in the sea. What if prayer for us is more like a regular conversation like a conversation we have with others whom we are in a relationship with, and it begins to demand a holistic approach to our prayer life. 
So when Paul instructs Timothy to pray without ceasing, Paul's not making a claim that we should live in some sort of monastic virtue of solitude. Paul isn't asking Timothy to sit around all day with his eyes closed and his hands folded. I think Paul imagined prayer to look like this. It takes our whole being, our whole lives, our whole living, all of our serving, all of our worship, and all of our thinking. Our very being is a prayer to God. And so our study component is an opportunity to see our theology, our learning, our questioning, and our spiritual growth as an offering of prayer to God. It's an opportunity for us to take seriously the task of learning more and more about God each and every day. And it is this constant pursuit of God in learning to to properly uh, put into place avenues for us to know God, this persistence, I think, this is what Jesus is instructing us to have. This prayer without ceasing is an invitation for our whole self to be an offering to God, and that includes the way we think about the world. So this study component then is for us an invitation to learn more, to challenge preconceived notions, to question, and to develop a rigorous path towards knowing God. And it actually matters. If you take nothing else away from today's sermon, I want you to take away this. What you say about God actually has profound impact in the world. Because if we believe that God is both all-powerful and all-knowing and yet fails to intercede on our behalf when the world is chaotic or our marriage is falling apart or our loved one is diagnosed with cancer or our loneliness is overwhelming, we need to say something about God in those situations. And what do we do when we believe that God is so near to us, so involved in this world, and yet seems so absent at the same time? What do we do with that? And what we say about God in those situations, it matters. And paying attention to what God says about God's self, it matters. The truth is, there's a lot of bad theology out there that does incredible harm in the midst of suffering and pain. And so we as a church, especially here at White Rock United Methodist Church, we are going to be aggressive at closing the gaps in working to develop a theology that makes sense for us in today's world, one that is authentic to who God has called this church to be, one that is rooted in Scripture, rooted in tradition, and is not afraid to tackle the most pressing questions of our day. But I can't do that work for you. This is a task that we must all buy into. You are responsible for your developing of theology. It is your responsibility. I will help guide you. The church will help provide opportunities. But you must take this seriously. And I can't force you to take it seriously. But what I want you to know is that, yes, you are a theologian. You're a theologian. What you say about God matters. 
And so I want us to close by looking at the questions that were asked in the fall programming guide. Here's kind of how this component is going to unfold, at least for the next several months. We're going to try to ensure that you have the best chance possible to answer yes to each one of these questions. Do you regularly engage scripture on your own? Do you read to expand your worldview? Do you intentionally engage opinions and views that differ from your own? And do you consider yourself a theologian? Do you consider learning and personal growth priorities in your life? Our hope is that we can answer yes to all those questions in the next several months. But the truth is, this discipleship plan, right, really requires all of us going all in. And so I hope and pray that as we kind of move out of this worship series, that we will enter into a time here at White Rock where we are taking our spiritual growth seriously and we are learning to live like Jesus more and more each day because the world desperately needs faithful followers of Jesus Christ. In the midst of the pain and the brokenness, the suffering that we see in today's world, the world desperately needs a church that is taking our faith seriously and learning to live like Jesus more and more each day out into the world. You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.